Well, good morning, Rethink Life. You guys doing good today? All right. Hey, do me a favor and give those watching us right now a warm round of applause and welcome them into our service. We appreciate you guys being a part of an amazing worship experience today. And today, we even have some very, very special guests, and that is all of our life kids. And uh, let me just say, this is going to be a fun service, all right? I'm already looking at some of you, and you kind of look like you got ants in your pants. But uh, anyway, there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of squirming, and, and that's okay. We're going to have a great, great service. Um, we, uh, I'm sure most of you know by now, we had... Uh, a major uh, issue happened with our HVAC system, and so uh, usually that happens as you're going into the weekends, and so we're having to wait until tomorrow to really get our arms around uh, some major issues going on with the HVAC system here. So anyway, so bear with us. Thank you for your patience, and we just felt like it would be better to have everybody in here at one time uh, rather than the kids be in an uncomfortable situation back there. So man, God is doing some amazing things. Yesterday was our serve day, and many of you have been hearing uh, for weeks now about um, the, the really just the unique opportunity that we had uh, as a church to stack hands with literally over a thousand churches across the U.S., and um, it was really one of the greatest serve days we've ever had. We had over 157 people come together just in our church that went out and served over 11 ministry partners and projects throughout our city to show the love of Jesus to our city. So, man, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart how much I appreciate um, those of you who gave of yourselves, literally dedicated your morning, your time, uh, we had people starting early yesterday morning all the way to uh, late yesterday afternoon. And we accomplished a lot, met a lot of needs, and did a lot of amazing things in the name of Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. And so I just want to say thank you, yay you, and yay God for making a difference for his kingdom and for his glory. Can we give Jesus just a big shout out of praise for that? <laughs> Grateful for um, really just everybody who helped even organize I know Pastor Chad and uh, Francisco Negron and a lot of our life group leaders and teams really organized. And, but and most importantly, the, the, our, our, a lot of our life groups, they just owned it. And they did an amazing, amazing job. So we're so, so grateful for that. And of course, tonight at 4 o'clock is our Big Adventure Week rally. And uh, we encourage all of you to come out, uh, especially those who are going to be serving this week at Adventure Week. We're just going to have an amazing time as we uh, really consecrate, dedicate the entire week to God, but also as we make the preparations for our opening night, which is tomorrow night, one of the greatest outreach events we do throughout the entire year for our children and families. And so we hope you'll take advantage of that. Help us get the word out. Already two, over 200 of, of our life kids have already signed up. And so uh, we, we expect many, many more walk-up registrations of our evening. So it's just going to be an incredible outreach opportunity, and we look forward to seeing how God is going to use that. Well, just curious, how many of you know there's a soccer match today? All right, well, a couple of you. I'm sure all the ladies are dialed into it, but, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's a big deal. I know uh, France, Croatia, and, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of exciting things that are happening, but we got something more exciting, exciting than the World Cup, and that's Jesus, amen? So today we're going to celebrate him, honor him, and uh, really that's been the heartbeat of this entire summer. The summer of love is what we've been calling it. That's been our, our theme. It's been uh, what we've been praying for. And yesterday, as I mentioned during Serve Day, it was really kind of the, the culmination of really just being the hands and the feet of Jesus and showing God's love in that way to our city. And I've learned this. Um, 
you know, when it comes to loving God and loving people, uh, if you're anything like me, I can always, um, I can always get better at doing that. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we can always stand to grow and improve and get better at how we love God and how we love people. And here's what I've come to realize is that any time um, you, you need to, to know how to get better at doing something, there's really no greater way to accomplish that than watching and seeing and observing someone else do it. In, in fact, if you're anything like me, I'm not really smart when it comes to technology. And so I'll watch people fly through their phone and, man, they're just going to town knowing how to use an app and knowing how to access things. And I'm thinking, how did you do that? And, oh, man, it's so simple. And then I'll say, well, maybe simple for you, but it's not simple for me. And then all of a sudden I'll say, show me what you did. How did you do that? And so they'll pull their phone out. Okay, well, you tap this, and when you go here, then you need to do this, you need to do that. And then once you do it, and then you start doing it more consistently, then you become more confident, and then you start doing it like it's second nature to you. But anytime you find out new ways to do something and you learn from someone else who perhaps is a little, little further down the path, then it always helps us because anytime you can follow someone else's example, not only do you go further, but typically you go further faster. Why? Because you're mimicking, you're learning from an example or a model that someone else has established. That's exactly what Jesus wanted his disciples to do. Jesus gathered his disciples one day and he instructed them to do something. And here with his instructions in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And I'm going to read this from what is referred to as the Passion Translation. I love this new translation. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said these words. And he said, so I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate, when you show someone else, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. You know, it's hard to really love someone else and show someone else God's love effectively if we ourselves have not truly experienced God's love in our own lives. It is virtually impossible to show mercy to someone else unless we've experienced God's mercy in our own life. It's almost impossible to show grace to someone else when we perhaps have yet to really experience God's grace in our own lives. It's, it's hard to show forgiveness. You fill in your own blank if we haven't experienced forgiveness of God in our own hearts and lives. And so it's hard to love other people in a way that God desires for us to until we ourselves truly understand, we feel, we know, and experience the love of God in our own hearts and our own lives. So what I want to do for a few moments today is I really want to just kind of share with you two key things, and here they are. Number one, we're going to learn, most importantly, um, really what, what it is or what it means for, for us to experience God's love, and then we're going to learn how to take God's love and then translate that and show that or demonstrate that to someone else. And so really here are four ways that we can show the love of Jesus to other people. And number one, if you're taking notes, is this. 
we accept others the way Jesus accepts us. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I think about followers of Jesus. Personally, I think followers of Jesus ought to be the most accepting people on the planet. And the reason why I say that is because no one loves us and no one accepts us more than God. And so because God accepts us, man, we ought to be, we ought to be accepting of other people. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that for a lot of us, we carry around deep wounds in our lives. And when I say deep wounds in our lives, the deepest wounds that most of us carry around in our lives are the wounds of rejection. You know, it's crazy. We spend most of our lives trying to find acceptance from other people. And not only do we spend so much of our time and energy trying to find acceptance from other people... We also spend an equal amount of time and energy trying to avoid rejection from other people. So, so often that's the competing forces of our lives. We're we're wanting to be liked, we're wanting to be loved, we're wanting to be accepted. But at the same time, on the other side of that coin, we're doing everything we can to avoid the, the pain of rejection by other people. And that's the reason why the, 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 really the comparison, or excuse me, the, the, enemies, the enemy of acceptance is comparison. So we're always comparing, we're always competing. And so often what happens, what gets in the way is, is, is this desire to be accepted, to be, to be liked, to, to have someone who truly embraces us for who we are. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, um, you know, out on the playground, you have a friend that says, man, I dare you to do this. If you go back, maybe in your memory when you were a kid, you know you would you would um, you would do some of the craziest things. And the reason why you would take the dare is because you wanted to be accepted. You don't you wanted people to like you. You wanted your friends to accept you, to like you. The last thing that you wanted was to be rejected. So you would it would push you to do things that typically you would never do. I never forget when I was a kid, and and, and I probably shouldn't be saying this because we got kids in the audience. But uh, so kids, just do this right here. But when I was a kid, I remember uh, a friend of mine, he dared me to do something. Actually, there was a group of my friends that dared me to do something. And in our neighborhood, we had these things called horse apples. And they came up with this crazy idea at nighttime to roll the horse apples. And they were like little miniature bowling balls. They were like heavy, these little, little green horse apples. And they, would, they, they, um, they challenged and dared me to roll the, uh, the little horse apples across the road when cars would come by and see if we could, you know, we could roll them under the cars. And so one of my friends dared me to do it. I said, man, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man, I dare you. I dare you. I said, I'll do it. And so I rolled one of those, those horse apples on the street, and a car came by, and you could hear this thud. And all of a sudden, within seconds, the lights go on. It was a police car. We took off running. We ran as fast as we could towards my house. And my friend said, man, why did you do that? I said, you're the one that told me to do it. He said, yeah, but I didn't think you would actually do it. And so, I'll never forget, we ran in the house. I don't know how the police officer found us, but I heard a knock on the door. We were terrified. Police officer at the front door, and he says, you have somebody in your home that I need to see right now. So my mom, she knew it was going down. She said, well, here they are right here. 
And so we learned firsthand experience, a lesson of humility, and we had to admit, I had to admit what we had done. Fortunately, there was no one, there was no harm done, and uh, I got a tongue lashing, I got a verbal whipping from the police officer who said, don't you ever, ever do that again. And I thought to myself, yes, sir, I will never do that for the rest of my life. I learned a valuable lesson that day. And that was, I was willing to do something crazy. Why? Because I didn't want to be rejected by my friends. I wanted to be accepted. And you know, we can sophisticate that even further in our lives by the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the homes we live in, the people we run with, the things that we do. Why? Because we like to be accepted. We want to be liked and we want to avoid the pain of rejection in our lives. And so the Bible says it this way, that if we're going to really experience God's love in our lives, then the greatest single thing we can do is to really learn how to express or to show or to demonstrate acceptance to other people the exact same way that God has shown and demonstrated acceptance toward us. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 37, the Father gives me the people who are mine, and every one of them will come to me. And I will, notice carefully, I will always accept them. I love that. I will always accept them. I think there's a myth. And the myth is that most people embrace is that I have to be perfect in order for people to like me. When I, can I just go ahead and tell you right now, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you do, there's always going to be somebody who dislikes you. What you got to understand is that God not just likes you, he loves you and he accepts you. So here's the attitude or the mindset you got to have. There are over 6 billion people on planet Earth. So if one person does not like you, if one person doesn't accept you, then who really cares? You got over 6 other billion people on planet who likes you. So if God likes you and you like yourself and somebody else doesn't like you, then they're the one who has the problem because you plus God equals a majority. Can I get an amen? So we got to realize that God loves us. He accepts us. He proved that. He demonstrated that. And just to underscore the fact that people think they got to be perfect in order to be liked, Jesus was the only perfect person who ever lived on this planet. And the Bible says he was despised and rejected by men and he was nailed to a cross. And so listen, you got to understand that the greatest single thing that we can embrace today is the fact that God loves us. And one of the ways that he loves us is by showing his acceptance of us. Now, there's a difference between acceptance and approval. You can accept someone without approving their behavior. You can accept someone without approving the lifestyle choices that they have chosen to make. It's like the woman caught in the act of adultery. I've always been fascinated by this story and this, this particular illustration in the Bible where it says the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, the Pharisees and the scribes, they brought her in front of Jesus trying to set him up in a trap. And I'm thinking, where is the dude? Where's the guy? Somehow he got off the hook. But it says the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I want to know where the guy who was caught in the act of adultery, where did he go? 
And so there are two. And so they throw this woman in front of Jesus. They're trying to set him up. And what did Jesus, the very first thing he said to all of those religious elite people, he said, hey, those of you who are without sin, hey, you be the ones that cast the first stone. One by one, they all begin to bolt and bail until it was just left with Jesus and this woman. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She looked around. She said, they're all gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. What was Jesus doing? Jesus did not approve of her behavior. Jesus not, he did not approve of her past or what she was caught doing. But what he did is he loved her and he accepted her and he forgave her because of who she was. Someone that he was coming to die for. And so you got to realize that, you know, one of the greatest single things we can do because Jesus accepts us is to learn how to accept other people. And here's what the scripture says in Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. So if God wants us to express acceptance to other people, here's your homework assignment this week. The greatest single thing you could do Throughout this week, work, maybe somebody that you have the opportunity to maybe, maybe express acceptance to, find someone, ask God to show you someone that you can demonstrate acceptance to, someone that you can show God's love by accepting them when it comes to a person who's difficult to love. I call them the EGR people, the extra grace required kind of people, you know what I'm saying? Whoever that person is, an image probably just popped into your head. Show that person acceptance this week, this week. Show them the love of Jesus by accepting them. Number two is this. We have to value others the way Jesus values us. So one of the ways that God shows his love to us is not only by showing his acceptance of us, but also by simply placing value on us. Let me ask you a question. This may be something that you've never really thought about before, but what is, your, what is your total value? In other words, what are you worth? Now, most of us in this room probably instantly went to our financial net worth. And some of you are thinking, not much. <laughs> Last time I checked in the bank account, not much. <laughs> My net worth is, it's in, it's in the negative right now. But I'm not talking about your net, net, your net worth. I'm talking about your self-worth. I'm talking about the value you have in the eyes of God. You want, you want to know how much he values you? He created you. He created you and he made you. Why? So that he could love you. So they could have a relationship with you. God not only loves you, but he sent his son Jesus to come into this world and to die for you and to be raised back to life for you. You want to know how much God loves you? He loves you and values you. Not only did he create you and send his son Jesus to die for you, but he also placed his spirit inside of you. If you know Jesus, he's placed his very presence, his spirit inside of you. And not only did he place his spirit inside of you, but another way that he's placed value, value on you is the fact that he has prepared a place for you and he wants to spend forever, for all eternity, with you. 
Now that's a high price. Think about that. Think about what God sees in you. He sees you as someone who's priceless. I love what Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 says. It says, what is the value of your soul to God? Could your worth be defined by an amount of money? God doesn't abandon or forget even the small sparrow he has made. How then could he forget or abandon you? What about the seemingly minor issues of your life? Do they matter to God? Of course they do. So you never need to worry. For you, notice carefully, are more valuable to God than anything else in all the world. Think about that. What a powerful truth that is. The fact that God loves you, one of the ways that he's expressed or demonstrated that is not only just by accepting you, but placing high value on your life. You know how you determine the value of something? Two ways. Number one, who created it, who invented it, who designed it. And number two, what is, what is it that someone's willing to pay for whatever that is? Let me ask you a question. What would be worth more value? A painting that I personally painted or a painting by Picasso, an original? I think that's a no-brainer. I think that all of you would find mine over here at the dollar store. But a Picasso? No way I could be compared to that. But here's the thing. you got to realize that, listen, God has placed infinite worth and value. You are priceless to God. And because you're priceless to God, you gotta, you got to remember something. If you ever question your worth, if you ever question your value, if you ever question whether or not you truly matter to God or matter to anyone else, all you got to do is look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ because when Jesus stretched his arms and he allowed the spikes to be driven through his hands and feet, if you really want to know how much God loves you, Jesus stretched his arms across that old rugged tree and he said, this is how much I love you. And he went through all the pain and the suffering for you and for me. Why? Because that's the ultimate price that he was willing to pay. You know, one of the things I think is so um, awesome is when you think about people, because God has placed value in us and he wants us to place value on other people. Man, that ought to just motivate us to do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God because they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Don't you agree? It's kind of like the, the 12 uh, boys on that soccer team in Thailand and their coach that were rescued. Fascinating story. Captured the attention of the world. And here are 12 kids and their soccer coach who, who, were, who were literally in this cave for uh, 10 days. They were, they were just hidden. And, 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 and then these rescue, these divers, um, these, these Thailand uh, seals and, and over a thousand people involved strategically trying to come up with ways on how to get to these, these, these kids who were trapped two and a half miles away from the mouth of the cave where they entered. And so all of the obstacles and the challenges and the, 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 the incredible 
obstacles that they had to overcome and, and just the ingenuity and the creativity and the persistence and the, the, un, the undying commitment to do whatever it took to rescue these kids. And people were glued to their TVs. People were mesmerized when they finally were able to reach these kids. And one by one, they began to pull them out. And now 13 of them all rescued and saved. And the world began to celebrate and cheer because of the heroic efforts of those who were willing to do whatever it took to, to save the lives of those that were, that, were, that were displaced. And you know what? That's exactly what we ought to do when it comes to our business associates. That's what we ought to do when it comes to our classmates and to those in our communities that we know who are spiritually lost, family members that we know that do not have a relationship with God. I mean, we ought to do whatever it takes. We ought to be as creative and persistent. We ought to do whatever we can to reach them. Why? Because they have infinite worth and value to God. And if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. That's the reason why we always are trying to t- tell each and every one of us, Let's, hey, invest in people and invite them to the church. Just show value. Put a 10 on someone's forehead. And when you see them tomorrow, when you, when, when you see them at school, when you see them in the community, don't see them as they are. See them as someone they can become with the power and the transformation of God's help at work in their lives. Amen? And so one of the ways that we demonstrate and we show God's love to people is not only accepting them and placing value on them. And by the way, here's your action step. Find someone this week that you can, that you can affirm and place great value to their life. The third way is we got to forgive others the way Jesus forgives us. You know, the Bible says it this way in Isaiah 43, verse 25. I love this. I, yes, I alone, notice carefully, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you have been graciously forgiven by God, by Christ Jesus. Forgiven people should be the most forgiving people. I was reading this morning about the woman who was at the feet of Jesus and she was weeping and she was, tears from her eyes were falling on the feet of Jesus and she she brought out her most valuable possession, the most expensive perfume that she had and she was trying to wipe off the tears from the feet of Jesus with her own hair but she began to put perfume on his feet and And Jesus was having dinner at a very religious, elite individual's home. And once again, Jesus began to explain the importance of forgiveness because this man was judging her because he knew who she was and the lifestyle that she was living. And Jesus simply forgave her, but he emphasized something very important. He said, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. Every one of us in this room, when you think about how much God has forgiven you and forgiven me, when you think about all that Jesus did for your sins, for mine, the fact that he was willing to blot them out, forgive and forget, push the delete button. The Bible says he remembers our sins. He, 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 He removes our sins as far as the east is to the west. That's forever and ever. What an amazing truth and revelation that is, that God loves us, he accepts us, he places high value on us, 
And he forgives us. And because he forgives us, how much more should we be willing to forgive other people who have offended us, who have fallen short of our expectations? How much more should we be willing to go the extra mile and to forgive them much because we ourselves have been forgiven much? Now, that's easier said than done, wouldn't you agree? But you know what? With God's help, we can show that same kind of forgiveness to other people. I love what Jesus, or excuse me, what Paul said in Colossians. Colossians 3, verses 13 and 14 says it this way. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. So here's a homework assignment this week. Find someone. If you have someone in your life who's betrayed you, hurt you, offended you, hey, offer the same forgiveness to them as God has extended to you. So one of the ways that we experience God's love is not only to embrace his acceptance and then show that acceptance to other people, not only to embrace the fact that he places high value in our lives, therefore we ought to place high value in other people, the fact that God demonstrates his love to us by forgiving us and not just forgiving us, but in return allowing us to show forgiveness to others. But lastly, I love this, and that is God shows his love to us how? By believing us, by believing in us. And because he believes in us, hey, we ought to be willing to believe in others. You know, we all have insecurities. I got them, you got them. And it's amazing how often we mask and we try to cover up those insecurities. But at the end of the day, every single one of us have things that we're fearful of, things that we're insecure about. And sometimes we have a tendency to question ourselves. Sometimes we have a tendency to, to, to doubt who we are, what we're capable of doing. But we got to understand, hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Man, God is not just with you, he's for you. And so we, listen, through Christ we can do all things. And that's the reason why he's placed his spirit inside of us. Why? So that we can live our lives in victory rather than defeat. So that we can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. So therefore, because God believes in us, we ought to believe in other people. I love what the scripture says. The, 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 in fact, let me, can, I, can I just, I want to read something to you so I can get it right. Listen to this before I read the scripture. This, this kind of rocked my world this week. Psychologists, listen to this. Psychologists tell us that when it comes to our self-image, how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is largely determined by what we think the most important person in our lives thinks about us. Did you get that? Let me say it again. Our self-worth, our self-image, how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves is largely determined by what we think the most important person in our life thinks about us. So, so often we are driven to please, to find acceptance, to gain approval, 
from someone that we place high value on because whatever it is they think about us, however, whatever it is in our minds when it comes to how they think toward us and how they feel toward us has a profound effect on how we accept ourselves, how we believe in ourselves, what we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves. Well, can I just give you a little encouragement this morning? Rather than worrying about someone else, can I just challenge you to make Jesus Christ the most important person in your life? Because that's all that matters when it comes to what he thinks and feels about you. And so today, because he believes in you, and how much more should we believe in other people? I love it. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never, ever gives up. The Bible says we ought to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This past weekend, I'm going to close with this, or this past, uh, excuse me, this past Wednesday, I was so proud of our student ministry. And I think one of the reasons why it um, brought such joy to my heart was because the, our students, and by the way, uh, some of you may or may not know this. In fact, I'd be safe to say that most of you don't know this. We have, we have 20 student interns here at our church, juniors and seniors in high school. We have a heart for God. They're developing and growing in the areas of leadership in their lives. They're the hands and the feet doing a lot of things behind the scenes. And it's incredible to see how God is raising up the next generation. And this past Wednesday night, our student ministry was 100% completely led by the students and our interns. They did their first ever at the movies, and it was all created, the scripts were written, it was filmed, produced. I mean, the entire thing was all put on by our students. And I'm telling you, it was absolutely phenomenal. And can I just say this? There's a lot of people who like to point their finger and cast blame to the upcoming generation, but I'm here to tell you, I don't have, listen, I don't think I've ever been more excited and more confident and more enthusiastic and optimistic about the next generation than the generation that God is raising up right now, not just in our church, but around our country that I believe is going to take the mantle and reach their generation and this generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. So man, let's start believing in people. Let's start standing with people and listen let's give let's give them the best that we've got why because Jesus gave us the best that he had amen that's how God has shown his love for us so how do we love like Jesus we accept others the way Jesus accepts us we place value on others the way Jesus placed value in us we forgive others the way Jesus forgave us we believe in other people we believe in our spouse. We believe in our kids. We believe in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We believe in God's plans and God's purposes. We believe that God is at work. And God's not finished. We believe that our greatest days are still yet to come. Do you believe it? Do you receive that this morning? Let's own that. Let's live that. And let's share that and show that to a world that desperately needs it. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.